I had this dream Friday night. <laughs> Pastor Townsend and myself and a bunch of you men were working on some sort of a project. We came to the end of the day and for whatever reason, it was Saturday night. and I was Friday night in my, I was having the dream, but it was Saturday night in the dream. And I had nothing to preach the next morning. <laughs> I don't know why I was supposed to be preaching in that dream when a pastor was available. Pastor indicated that's only about the second time in 40-some years. Pastors are like that. I remember Sharon saying very, very clearly one morning. She says, if you're planning on passing out in the pulpit, I'm not watching. <laughs> I don't remember if she came or not, but I remember that was, that was her declaration, you know, just, <laughs> oh dear. But he must have felt really crummy this week, and so continue to pray for pastor and for Connie as he's, uh, he's on the mend. What a week this has been. What a couple weeks. In New York City and in the state of Virginia, we had men announcing plans to abort late-term, post-term abortions, babies. And the crowds that were listening to their declaration cheered. Just when we thought it couldn't get any worse, What in the world were they thinking? What are they thinking? How in the world do we get to the place in our society where it's all right to kill a baby that has even already been delivered? And we cheer as if that's a good thing. Then in the news, we watched for a couple hours, if you were available, as all the news was telling us about a man that had gone berserk and had killed five of his fellow employees in Aurora, Illinois, before dying himself in gunfire. I think he knew he was going to die. I think he knew there was no turning back. But he did it anyway. What possesses a man to be so desperate that his life and the life of others are totally insignificant? Then, of course, we heard about the hostlers 
who had to be evacuated from Haiti this week by helicopter because of the terrible violence and rioting that is taking place in Haiti. And I've about had it with our legislators, haven't you? I mean, they're just a worthless bunch. They can't seem to get anything right. They don't seem to have any desire to get it right. They don't see any need to protect our borders. And we wonder, well, what are they thinking? Don't they care? Do they really dislike our president that much that they would cut off their nose to spite their faces? And then this week, I met with Liam and Nolan Kirkland. We had chocolate cake at Coney Island. We had chocolate cake and we had cheese broccoli bits. And while they were eating their chocolate cake, I said, you need to try this with a potato chip. <laughs> Deep chocolate and salty chips are an incredible experience. <laughs> and then when we got done eating our cake, it came time to study the Bible a little bit. We were looking at, I uh, had Liam read uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then uh, Nolan read the verse in Acts 4.12. There's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby you must be saved. And we talked about the exclusivity of, of, of the gospel. How there's really only one way to heaven no matter what anybody else thinks. And, and as we're talking about the gospel, talking about the good news, the lady in the next booth got up, took her coffee, and moved to the back of the restaurant. <laughs> Why is the gospel an offense? I was really using my inside voice, but it's, <laughs> but it's... It's probably louder than a lot of other people's, but I didn't mean to offend her. But why would the gospel, the good news, be offensive? Crazy world. Well, turn with me to 2 Peter. All of these things that I've been talking about have become the norm in our society. And what are you and I to do? In 2 Peter, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, but there shall be false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And the tragedy is that many shall follow their pernicious evil ways. 
by reason of whom the way of truth, Jesus Christ, shall be evil spoken of. And through covetous, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For you see, if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. In Noah's day, he preaches righteousness for 120 years. And how many converts did he have 120 years later? Not one. Not one. In 120 years of preaching. What was it like in Noah's day? Well, turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was so evil, it was so continual that in 120 years nobody believed the preacher of righteousness. That doesn't seem possible, does it? That nobody. Well, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I'm going to destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things, fowls of the air, for it repenteth me. I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah, praise God for Noah, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then dropping down to verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. In the days of Noah, these two words are characteristic, along with evil continually, the word corruption and the word violence. I think we're there, folks. I think we've arrived. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth, And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Let's go now to 2 Peter again. 
Second Peter. Second Peter chapter two. And beginning in verse 9, I want you to be encouraged. You say, this is really bad. Well, it is, but what can we do about it? Here we are. Are we survivors? No, no. According to the book of Revelation, God expects us to be overcomers. Yeah, Noah was an overcomer. 120 years of evil, wickedness, corruption, and violence didn't get Noah down. That's what it was like in his day. It shouldn't get us down. Because in verse 9 of chapter 2, write this down or underline it, highlight it. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of all of this horror. Why the corruption? Why the violence? I don't normally quote Rush Limbaugh. But he did get it right one day when he said, the problem is they don't believe in God. They don't believe in God. They don't believe that Jesus is God the Son, the promised Messiah. Try to imagine for us for a moment your life without God. Without God, without Jesus Christ, you would have no hope for eternity and the future. You'd have none. He is your hope. That's one of his names, hope. Without God and Jesus Christ, you would not have this blessed peace that passeth all understanding. You need to understand, people without Jesus Christ, they have no hope. If they have any hope at all, it's false hope. If they have any peace at all, it's false peace. There's only one hope. There's only one peace. There's only one life. There's only one joy. These people without God, they have no justice. They're afraid of dying and the loose ends are not going to be tied up. They're afraid that it's going to come to an end and nothing is going to be made right. And they turn to violence. They turn to violence, murder, suicide, excess, Excess just becomes the norm in their lives. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it controls them. 
But the wonderful thing is, into this world of sin and evil and corruption and violence, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. And when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've never been the same. You've just never been the same. The joy, the peace, the hope, the certainty, the forgiveness, the truth, it's all become this new norm. God sent his son into the world and, and, and the world rejected him. The world cried out, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. Release unto us Barabbas. And then the people in Christ's day, they dared to say, his blood be upon us and our children. Did they have any idea what they were talking about? Jesus from the cross would pray, Father, forgive them. They're out of their minds. They do not know what they're talking about. If they had any idea what they were talking about, they wouldn't say it. But they didn't. What do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? A.W. Tozer. Many of you have read him. Probably got him in your library. He said, what comes into your mind when we think about who God is is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We can settle it right here this morning. You need to go out of here knowing Jesus Christ. You need to go out of here knowing what it is to have life eternal. You need to go out of here thinking, I know the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God. I believe he's the God that died, was buried, was raised again, ascended, and is coming again for his... I believe this. I believe there's coming a day when everything is going to be finally settled because God is holy and just and good. James Bryan Smith wrote a book He's written a trilogy of books and now he's added to it a fourth book. In the second chapter of God is good and beautiful, the good and beautiful God, he says God is good all the time. All the time God is good, except when he's not. No, no, there's no exception. God is a good God. Do you believe that about God? 
or if you've got some strange notion that God is less than holy and less than righteous. He says God is good all the time. He then went on to say in chapter 3 that God is trustworthy. Jesus came to the garden before his death and he fell upon his face and the Bible says that he prayed, Abba, Father, is there any other way? And without waiting for an answer, Jesus said, not my will, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus who had existed for all of eternity, trusted his heavenly father who would have to take his life, according to Isaiah 53. Jesus trusted his father that on the third day his father would raise him from the dead. Do you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you believe that God is going to raise you from the dead? He's good. He's trustworthy. And I want us to see this morning that he is a generous, giving, giving God. Sir Robert Anderson, he must be, must be English, they call him Sir. Must have been dubbed at some point in his life. He wrote a book, The Silence of God. And he pointed out that after Israel killed Stephen, since that date, God has not performed a sign miracle in the city of Jerusalem. God seems to be declaring to Israel and to mankind, if sending and killing my son for you is not enough for you to believe, I will not do anything less. As the world demands that God prove himself, that God show himself, as the world demands that God explain himself. Just so that we can be impressed. Let me tell you about this good, gracious, glorious, generous God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Matthew chapter 20. Beginning with verse 1. Here we find Jesus Christ introducing us to his heavenly Father. He said, I want you to know something about my Father. 
He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and and he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour even he went out and found others standing idle. And he saith to them, What are you standing here all the day idle? And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said to them, Go ye into the the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith to his steward, Call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they would have received more and likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it all, they complained, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didn't thou not agree with me for a penny? Now take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? We live in a world that screams unfair, unfair. And when they don't get their way, they riot. They have a fit and fall in it. Unfair. I don't like that God. If that's the way God is, I don't want anything to do with him. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is your eye evil because I am good? I am gracious. I am generous. Is God not good? Is he not holy? Is he not righteous? Is he not just? Is he not fair? Turn with me one more time to Psalm 23. This psalm has been here a long time. David wrote this psalm. When you get to heaven, you want to give David a hug. 
Tell them I sure did like your writings. I particularly like Psalm 23, David. This was true when I was 12. It was also true when I was 25. It was true when I turned 40 and 60 and 80. Does anybody have in their Bible an ex an expiration date on Psalm 23? Anybody come to Psalm 23 and it says, this will no longer be valid after January 1st of 2019. No, it's true. And the thing that is so wonderful, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, this is your psalm. You don't just get to pick out verse 3 and say, I like that one. Or I like to, you know. No, no, no. This is about you. This is about me. The Lord is my shepherd. Even, even in a corrupt, violent, evil world, the Lord is my shepherd. And because God is my shepherd, I shall not ever want. Do I believe that? Yeah. I'll tell you about this God. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He knows where all the grass is. He leads me beside still calm waters. I mean, with me and my cane, I fall down on anything rough. But he takes me along the calm, firm, solid waters. What a God. He restores my soul. Sometimes, many times a day. And then he leads me in the paths of righteousness and he does it because of who he is. He does it for his name's sake. Yea, even though I find myself walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I mean, there's bombs all around me. I'm walking through a minefield. I live in a world of evil, corruption, and violence. And even in that world, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not afraid. Because God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Just hang on to his hand. Don't let go. Better yet, let him get a hold of your hand and hang on. He'll never let go. Then he says, Thou preparest a table before me, right in the presence of mine enemies. There's no reason to pray that the enemies will go away. They're not going to go away. But God will prepare a table for you, right 
in the midst of your enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup is just overflowing. Don't you love being a Christian? Isn't it great? Can you imagine your life without God, without the fullness of God? The hope, the person, the joy, the knowledge, the protection. And then verse 6, I love this. Surely, without question, goodness and mercy, not corruption and violence, but in a corrupt and violent world, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me. They're going to pursue me all the days of my life. No expiration date on that. Right up until the shout and the trumpet and we're out of here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. That was true when I was 12. That was true when I was 25. That was true when I was 40 and 60. And still, I, I cannot think of a day when God's goodness and mercy have not pursued me. And Christian, you can either. You're not the exception. God is not good except when he's not. God is not trustworthy except when he's not. God is not generous except when he's not. Your life is characterized by goodness and mercy every day of your life. And when all of this is over, what? I get to go to heaven and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember what it said back in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. I think you ought to claim that. I think you ought to claim it for today and tomorrow and the coming week. And you know what? The Lord knoweth how to deliver you. The Lord knoweth how to deliver your children. Your only responsibility is to be intentional in your life and your children's life and to make sure they know this glorious God who in the fullness of time loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for our sins. It's great to be a Christian. It's plan A. <laughs> plan A, through and through.
Why would we want anything else? Why would we complain? Why would we feel sorry for ourselves when goodness and mercy continue to pursue us every day of our life? Without Jesus Christ, people are killing each other and killing themselves. Without Jesus Christ, people have no hope, no peace, no satisfaction. They live in an unjust world. God help us to so live our lives that they see there's something unique about you. There's something holy about you. You kind of act like you've been hanging around Jesus Christ. And what a difference. What a difference he has made.